0: Well, here we are again. I'm kind of like Cade. I didn't have much notice about tonight. I found out when I got to services this morning. And, of course, I couldn't do any studying or thinking about it until after 10.30 because of this class in here. But I usually get a thought in mind and then I build on it all day. And that's kind of how my comments tonight will be. They won't be anything spectacular. They won't be anything to win any medals, but maybe they'll help us understand more about what God has done for us. The song we just sang, Amazing Grace, is probably one of the most popular songs in America because it says so much. But there's another song. It's not in this book, I know. It may be, I don't remember. It was in our last book. And that name of that song is called Who Am I? And the theme of the song is Who Am I that He Would Bleed and Die For? You know, introspection is one of the greatest. Things that we have to our advantage. That's looking inside our own self because we're the only one that can do that. I can look at the outside of you, but I can't see what's inside and on your heart. That's why it's so important for us to realize the value of looking at ourselves. I want to try to think about a question tonight. Everything in the Bible is centered around Jesus. And ask the question, who is Jesus? You know, and it's one of those questions that I guess it depends on who you are, who Jesus is, and what he means to you. He's different things to different people depending on the circumstances. In the very beginning, the Bible says in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. In chapter 1, verse 26, just after he had done all of creation, his words there were, let us make man in our image after our likeness. That brings to mind the question, who is the our and the us here? Who's he talking about? And we know that when he does this, he's talking about the Godhead. God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As a trinity or as a one unit. Let us make man in our image. Who is Jesus then? We know who God is. There are a lot of people who don't believe in God. They don't care about anything religious. I know a lot of people like that. So the question, who is Jesus, is immaterial to them. They don't care who He is. Well, we're not like that. We believe in God. And we need to know who Jesus is. What He's really all about. Some people try to explain away God by explaining away the biblical account of creation, where the first indication of the existence of Jesus is. They claim that this is a result of an explosion or some cosmic error that everything just fell right in place. I suggest to you the chances of that are about the same as an explosion in a printing factory resulting in the Dallas phone book. And that's not a little book. That's about what the same chances are. Jesus is part of the explanation from where we came came from, and more importantly, where we're going. Adam and Eve, after they'd been created and they were in the gardens, is... Here's a garden, you got it made. As I mentioned this morning our class, everything on a silver platter. You didn't have to till the ground, you didn't have to work, you didn't have to do anything. Just be there and God would take care of you. And of course, they didn't listen to God. They were smarter than God. Kind of like the little old portable sign out by the road this guy put up and he said, Almost new encyclopedia for sale, rarely used teenage son knows it all and that's the way adam and eve were they knew it all the serpent came to eve says what what are you doing here he says well i'm just hanging out here in the garden every place except this one tree over here he says, we can't eat of that the devil says why you ought to know better than that he knows he don't want you eating of that because as soon as you do you're going to be smart as he is your eyes will be open boy you'll see things you hadn't seen before so she fell for the line and was deceived. And Adam knew what it was because he's the one that had given the instruction to Eve, passed it down from God. God told him, this tree here, hands off. Can't touch it, can't eat it. It's pretty to look at, but that's all you can do with it. And he was deceived too. In Genesis 3.15, we find the very first specific mention of Jesus when it prophesies what's going to happen in relation to him in 3.15. Let's turn to that and look at it. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. The first reference to Jesus, he says, because of this woman that you led astray, this person that you led astray, he said, Jesus is going to step in. Now, this is a vague philosophy, but we all know it's there. He's telling us who Jesus is. He's going to be the one to make man right with God again. And the good Lord knows we need that badly. This is the greatest question of all time. Who is Jesus? But if you don't care, it doesn't matter. That's like the question, what must I do to be saved? If you don't want to be saved, it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. But Jesus is important to us because... We have an attraction, an attachment to him. You know, there is, if you try to define Jesus who he is, boy, there are billions of ways you could do it. He's this, he's this, he's this, he's this. Yes, he is. But the most important thing that we need to realize is, first of all, he's God. That's the number one thing. Everything that happens involving God involves Jesus. He said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Jesus is there. Jesus is there in Genesis 3.15. Jesus is there also in one popular verse. This was the verse, is the verse or the chapter part of the old law that the Ethiopian eunuch was reading when Philip came and pulled his chariot up beside him he was reading from Isaiah the 53rd chapter what happened to Jesus and Philip asked him what do you know what this means he said how can I know except someone explain it to him the Bible said this He began at the same verse and preached to him Jesus. That was Jesus. It talks about how he was treated. These are characteristics or things about Jesus that we all understand. He was despised and rejected of men. Who is Jesus? First of all, Jesus is the Messiah. Now, the word Messiah is not a word we use very often. The Messiah is a word that was related to the Old Testament law. There were prophecies about the Messiah, the coming Jesus, the coming Son of God. Yet, when Jesus got here, just like Isaiah described, they rejected Him. They didn't accept Him. There are still people today who do not accept Jesus. They believe that he exists, but that's as far as it goes. The Bible says, whoopee, the devils do that much. They believe in the existence of God. They believe in the existence of the devil, of, of Jesus, but they don't do anything about it. Jesus was prophesied about in the Old Testament, scripture after scripture after scripture, pointing to Jesus. He was promised in the Old Testament, pointing to Jesus. When he got here, they didn't recognize him. Why? Because they had a preconceived idea of what this Jesus was going to be, and he didn't match it. God's idea was a little bit different of what he should be than what the people's idea was. So they said, ah, oh, this can't be him. He's referred to in a lot of things. One thing is the king of the Jews. That's where he, how he's referred to in the time where he was crucified. They said, don't you claim to be the king of the Jews? Pilate did, and he says, you said it. He didn't go into a lot of detail. He just says, you said it. They even placed a crown to represent his kingdom on his head. They put a sign on the cross when they destroyed him. It says, King of the Jews. But so many people even today still reject him. The greatest thing that we can see about this situation is when John the Baptist was preaching and baptizing in the Jordan River, one day Jesus approached him. What did John the Baptist say? The Lamb of God. The phrase, the Lamb of God, encompasses a lot. Not only was he a representative of God, But he was the lamb that was going to be sacrificed for you and me. That's who Jesus is. This is the lamb of God. Even when he's preaching, he says, you know, you guys think I'm great, but he said, there's one coming after me. I'm not even fit to tie his shoes. And when Jesus came, they didn't recognize him. They were looking for something else. That's why we have to be careful in our life to make sure, Who is Jesus? Who is He to me? That's what's really important. It doesn't mean who He is to everybody else, but who is He to me? That's what's vitally important. He was the sacrificial lamb that was sent from God, who became human, a part of God, so that you and I could be saved. And that was for one reason. That reason is recorded in probably the most popular verse in the Bible. What do you think it is, John 3.16? Every little kid from the time they're in early parts of their Bible training, they learn John 3.16. You see it on roadsides driving down the highway. But I guess when we see that, it means different things to different people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The next verse we usually don't quote says but he sent his Son in the world not to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. One thing I always stress when I talk about Jesus when I talk about God God's number one purpose regardless of what the circumstances are god's number one desire regardless of situation is that all mankind be saved but that's different a lot of times from what our ideas jesus was special And that when it came time to pay the cost or the price for sin, he was really the only one qualified. Therefore, he becomes the savior of the world. He's a perfect example of what we should live like. Paul, in his writings to the various churches, used more than once. He said, be imitators of me. Not because Paul's great, but because I'm imitating Christ. Jesus as the Savior of the world. Paul, when he was writing, said, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's what all the generations of life need to focus on. Jesus Christ is all that matters. But well, we've got to know who he is, what he means to us. Jesus said, or rather Paul said, I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. How that Jesus Christ was crucified. He died. He was buried. And the most important thing about it is he was raised from the dead. I don't know anyone else who meets that criteria. That's why Jesus is special and always will be. Another thing that Jesus Christ gives, of course, that we missed in a little bit before is our sacrifice for sin. We can find a lot of different words that describe Jesus and what he is. He's a redeemer. The Bible said he's a propitiation or a payment for our sins. But most of all, again, he's the Son of God. In being that, he is the giver of life. John said in his writings that Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly the best it could be we always like having the best you know we get clothes we like to have the best clothes we like to drive the best cars we like to live in the best house but what's important is not what house we live in what clothes we wear but the abundant life that Jesus came to give us all without that we come to the last idea that's really important. That life that he offers gives us hope. And we have to realize that Jesus Christ, most important of all, is the last hope of man. There's nobody else we can count on. Paul said, if in this life only we have hope, we are of all men most miserable. If this is all there is, you know, I I thought about this a lot when I was younger. Well, you know, if you just live your life and you die and you're like the dog, you rot and it's all over, wouldn't be that bad, would it? But it's not like that. The Bible talks about a second life. When we look at death, it just horrifies us. It scares us to death because that's the end. The end of the only thing we've ever known. But in reality, it's not the end. It's only the beginning of the greatest life a person could ever experience. But there's only one place and one person who can get you to that life. The word we use for death is the Greek word thanatos, which simply means separation. No description, just a separation. Your soul separates from your body. That's what, what's what death is. But you know the important thing about it, the reason we're all scared of it, the reason we fear it is because we don't know what's on the other side. And all we have to know, need to know All that we should know. Who's on the other side? Jesus. That's all that should matter. And to the Christian, that's the way it is. That's why John said he came to give us life and more abundant life. A step above, the best there is. That's what God, Christ, has offering for all of us. But if in this life only we have hope, We don't have much. Our hope's got to be somewhere else, focused on who Jesus is. You know, we've only used a few of the descriptions of Jesus that you could think of. I mean, there is a lot of them, depending on what situation or purpose is involved, what we're looking at. But what's important is all those things don't matter, except for Jesus. We're going to sing this song in just a second. And uh, if when we sing that, uh, you haven't had the opportunity to partake of the Lord's Supper, it's prepared in room 100. You can go out during that song and do that. And uh, after this song, then uh, Brother Michael will lead us in our closing prayer. Will you stand, please?